The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Hello, 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 and welcome to another Final Hooter here on LoveRugbyLeague.com. My name's Dave Parkinson, and uh, yes, yes, we're still socially distanced. We're still doing this all over the other end of the phone, and I can hear Adrian sat in a rather blustery position. Where are you, mate? I'm at a location park here. I'm just overlooking the Bridgewater Canal on the outskirts of Runcorn. See, I'm, I'm always impressed with where you get to. <laughs> it's always different places in and around Widnes and Runcorn as well. Oh, no, you know, you see, I sat on the, on the house sofa Thursday and Friday watching the playoff games. I thought, you know what, for this podcast, I want to get out and about. A bit of fresh air on a Sunday afternoon, why not? Um, now, uh, Star Watch, have you seen any rugby league players lately? Because you, you tend to on your travels, don't you? Don't seem to find any in Runcorn, I'm afraid. Oh, that's um, a so shame. No, I haven't. No. Although I did walk past the old Canal Street on, on my little walk down the Bridgewater Canal. And we mentioned that last week, didn't we? Last time we did one of these, where you mentioned yeah. about the pies. The pies were the best thing from Canal Street. Best pies in football, in non-league football and rugby league, yeah. It's definitely. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to talk about pies. Although we, uh, All what... I'll tell you is, this canal runs from Run- between Runcorn and Lee. There you go. See, that's not a bad place to end. No, not at all. <laughs> Anyway, we're back. I'm going season in November and we're still going. I know. I don't know about you. I'm starting to get rugby weird. fatigue. Uh, I feel like it should be in a pre-season lockdown and I'm not. I know we're in a national lockdown because of coronavirus, but I, I'm thinking what's happening to me pre-season lockdown? It's not happening. You know what? We're, we're going to have to start it late, aren't we? We're going to be all out of sync. I think everyone is going to be, aren't they, really? Because once you get the, the grand final out of the way in Hull next Friday, um, it'll literally be a four-week turnaround. They'll all be thinking about getting ready for a brand-new season. It still doesn't sound right, that, does it? Grand final in Hull. No, it doesn't really, does it? No, not at all. Um, but, yeah, no, we finally got there, haven't we? Been a diver- it's been a season of diversity, hasn't it? You know, playing games, playing behind closed doors, um, teams not playing the fixtures. Um, players being tested positive for coronavirus, uh, all the other elements going on. Still a bit weird watching the game with no fans in. Uh, still can't get my head around that at the moment. Um, but yeah, finally got there. And it, it's first versus second for the big prize on Friday. Quite deservedly in the end, you've got to admit. Over the overall season, I think, yeah, same times they've been out and out the best team, haven't they? Right the way through. Being consistently good. Okay, wheels kind of fell off. At the back end of the regular season, though, they picked up a couple of defeats, but um, they came back guns blazing on Friday. Oh, they certainly did. But, I mean, you, you've highlighted you've highlighted St. Helens there. I'd highlight Wigan. I think Wigan's been tremendous ever since they got beat by Leeds in the semi-final of the Challenge Cup. Done a tremendous job, hasn't he, Adrian Lamb? And, you know, when he came in last year, he had all that hoo-ha with Sean Edwards. Was Adrian Lamb just going to be here for a season? Players didn't know what the heck was going on weren't really buying into the weekend concept and what Adrian Lamb wanted. But as soon as that all got ironed out and he was given the brand new deal uh, to stamp his authority on the club, players bought into it and they've never looked back at the uh, Wigan. Certainly have been the most improved team of the season for me. And, and finished top of the league when all said and done. I mean, I know it's been weird with all your uh, all your points percentages and all that type of stuff, but they, they've deservedly got that market come the end of the year, haven't they? They have, and it's, it's set to up what's going to be a cracking grand final. I can't pick a winner. I really can't. Um, I, I want to. I feel that we should look a little bit at the two semi-finals. To be honest, starting first of all with that one involving Wigan and Hull. I mean, Hull were sort of almost 
parachuted back into the playoff system a couple of weeks ago, weren't they? And they give their all. I thought they were well in the game for about 20, 25 minutes. They actually led two points to nil early doors, thanks to Mark Snead's penalty. And then it all caved in around them after conceding a stupid penalty. And Wigan just thought, we're not going to be bullied on our own pitch. Well, that was the turning point, wasn't it? I mean, a rush of blood by by Griffith. And that seemed to kick Wigan in, into action, didn't it, really? Um, oh, we've had been the whole coach had, had, had been dragging uh, Griffin off to have a bit of a word in, in, in his ear. I know you texted me that. You said that you'd have, you would have got the old shepherd's crook and got him straight off. Oh, without a doubt, because that was the turning point, wasn't it? I mean, big hit from Scott Taylor and uh, just lost the ball. And you could see how much it meant to me. He was like a man possessed, wasn't he? He was standing there going, yeah, liking it. And then George Griffin goes and does that. Silly, silly. Um, and Wigan didn't look back. You know, they had like Joe Burgess and Harry Smith both, both scoring tries before half-time. Then afterwards, it was Zach Hardacre, Jake Bibby and Bevan French finishing them off. Bevan French is the man who's the, everyone's talking about at Wigan. They're relieved he signed a new deal, hasn't he? But one player that's impressed me for the Cherry and Whites has been Harry Smith. He's done well, hasn't he? I mean, I, yes. I know like he was in the team fairly regularly up until that semi-final defeat. And then I think he's only featured once or twice since. But he certainly stepped it up at the weekend, didn't he? I think there's a real future there. Great kicker. A, he is. He's a fellow with knees and as well as Harry Smith. So, oh, that's yeah, why you're giving him a got, mention. He's got, he's got a good pedigree, shall we say. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a good rugby league grounding. Well, you look at... convey about rolls on. You look at a couple of the really promising halfbacks that are pushing through at the moment, and they're both from Widnes, aren't they? I'm thinking of the other yeah. lad at St. Helens. Uh, but yeah, yeah, really good player is Harry Smith. Yeah, um, although his drop goal would probably not be one to savour. It kind of just snuck in, didn't it? are not renowned for drop goals, you know that. I do, I do, I do. But uh, it's shocking. It, it was it's important. Really it was compared important. To darks, compared to the dark side, it would be shocking. <laughs> yeah, so it was Wigan Warriors, you got the, the names. In the grand final plates uh, a week on Friday, who was going to join them? Was it going to be Saints? Was it going to be Catalans? Um, Steve McManada said he's got the game plan in place. They're ready to go. Um, for the first half part of the game plan, for me, it looked like Catalans just wanted to bang a few heads, and it certainly worked for them. But if you're going to do that against Saints, you've got to make sure you've got to back up to back up the plan, and that never happened for them. I agree. I mean, they were very, very physical, weren't they? But for me... Yeah, there were some big hits, weren't there? For me, it was just like every time the ball reached James Maloney, it didn't get too far else, didn't get too far otherwise to anybody else, didn't did it? best game, did he? No, got himself simbined as well, which kind of yeah. helped Saints to open up that 8-2 advantage after, strangely enough, Maloney had given him an early advantage with a penalty goal. But that was as good as it got, really, for Catalans. They just got rolled second half, didn't they? And Kevin Naguama, wow, what a game he had. I thought St. Helens were ruthless, both in attack and defence. Uh, like I said, took a big, few couple of big hits, and all players fell in the head knocks. Like Sir James Green, who was filthy with the decision, wasn't he? He wasn't happy. Sat there watching the game during the second half. Lou McCarthy scars, but was mentioned during the commentary that he wasn't going to be coming back. Aren't you thinking, my word, this game's in the bag here for Catalans? But McCarthy scars, but showing he's a he's a tough old cockney, and he was able to uh, get back out there for the second half. He looked fresh as a daisy that second half. So I don't know what they were on about when they were saying he's don't look like he's going to come back. <laughs> How old is Louis these days? How old is he? How old is he? He's getting on for 34, 35 now, he's Louis. Yeah, very experienced campaigner. Just signed a new contract, actually, at Saints. Yeah, our governor, yeah. <laughs> is, is that what we're calling him next season? 
It's the governor. The old governor. The old, gov- the old governor. And we've yeah, got to say do. it. We've, I'm not doing accents. We've got to say it. it. We've got to say it in a Geordie type, not a Geordie accent, in a, in a Cockney type accent, have we? <laughs> Yeah, right. No. But I, mean, I just felt I just felt for Cavs fans in the hole. It was getting too far for both of them. Wasn't it? They had their cup finals the week before, and I felt uh, Holt ruthless and really good against Warrington. Cavs fans doing the same the week before against Leeds, but they just couldn't back it up. And that just shows you how difficult it is to try and get to a grand final when it's a top six format. Certainly when you're playing the week before. Oh, very much so, very much so. And I agree with you, both of them were, were very intent on getting the wins last week, weren't they? And just couldn't seem yeah. to back it up. So just for reference, it was James Maloney who opened the scoring for Catalan's Dragons with a penalty early doors after six minutes. Lachlan Coote responding for St. Helens with the first try after 14. He converted and kicked a penalty before Kevin Naguama went over for the first of his treble nine minutes before half-time and Coote's goal opened up a 14-2 half-time advantage. Into the second half, Naguama was quickest off the mark with a try after 43 minutes. Lachlan Coote followed up for his second after 51. Lovely bit of interplay. Coote kicked his fourth goal before Johnny Lomax went over before the hour. James Bentley had St. Ellen's in cruise control after 65 minutes. Naguama completed his hat-trick 10 minutes from the end and Regan Grace put a cherry on top of the cake with Lachlan Coote converting 8 out of 9 and finishing with 24 points as Saints won 48 points to 2. So, first versus second, fully deserved. <sighs> Who's going to get their hands on the grand final trophy park here? I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Uh, I think if we can see when we can play Saints, they, they get drawn into what Catalans do, which is trying not 10 bells out, out the um, pack, don't they? That's what Wigan tend to do against Saints. Uh, and then Saints seem to ground them into submission. So I think Wigan are going to have to change tack. They're going to get the victory on Friday. I don't know, it worked for them last time, that, though, didn't it? And they were quite yeah. convincing against St. Helens the last time the two sides met. Again, it was a case of the halfbacks really gelling and uh, Bevan French out the back providing something a little bit special with his pace and his agility. So, you know, for, for me, um, as far as Wigan are concerned, they've got to get... Uh, They've got to get Bevan French involved as much as possible. They've got to give him as much early ball as they can and see what he can do off the back of it. Um, uh, but we also know that they've got such a strong pat Wigan that they'll, they'll go toe-to-toe with anybody. And I think if the likes of, of Partington and you know the, the likes of Flower and that get through the fitness aspects of it, then they're going to give Saints a hell of a game, aren't they? Yeah, it's going to be a tremendous final. Shane's uh, obviously got one or two issues regarding injuries. Now, will James Graham be fully recovered from his head knock? Will, will, will Big Al, Big Al, will he get over that knee injury that he's struggling with on Friday? It will be revealed, won't it? It will, it will. And uh, I suppose as well, there's a couple of additional things regarding St. Helens players playing the last games for the club. You've mentioned there about Graham. Uh, you've got the likes of Peru as well, who's also jetting off to new pastures come the end of the year. And a couple of others as well who know that the days at St. Helens are, are perhaps numbered and want to go out on a high. You mentioned players who were playing the, the last games in the red and white away of Saints, but um, announced last week um, that Sean O'Loughlin, he's going to be bowing out from the greatest game in the world uh, for Wigan Warriors and what might be a grand final win for him. He's been a bit what of a, a way to go out. What a way to go out, but he's been a bit of a special player for him, hasn't he, over a good number of years, um, particularly at club level. I think he, he's a tremendous leader of men. Did you know he actually made his debut back in 2002, Aid? 
Wow, 18 years ago, eh? He's like the million dollar man these days, isn't he? He gets injured, <laughs> he seems to rebuild and then falling back out there. He is there, <laughs> he is there Brian Robson, isn't he? He is the go-to man. He seems to inspire everyone around him to raise the standards. I do like how you sort of describe that. I mean, if I'm right in thinking, the grand final, if he plays in that, will only be his eighth game of the season. So, you know, yeah. um, they're all big ones that he plays in, aren't they? <laughs> he is. He seems to come off of the big games in the, uh, <laughs> and tens normally to get the job done. So it'll be interesting to see whether he does get a, a grand final winner's ring on, on his hands and uh, lift that trophy when he ends his career with the Warriors uh, on Friday. But what a, what a career, though. What, what a career. What a career. Unluckily for him, not, not, even though he's been playing for 18 years, Park, he's just over 400 games, is it? Because of injuries, he's, he's been really restricted in the number of games he should have played. Yeah, I was reckoning, you know, because certainly over the last sort of five, six years, he's probably never really gone too far beyond 20 games a season. And when you, you yeah. reckon we're going to normally round about that 30, 32 games a year mark as average, it shows he's missing like a third of each season. So it does make you wonder that you, you had those extra, you know, 60, 70 games on that he's missed. He could have been five or 600, couldn't it? He could have been five or 600. And, but, uh, you know, those are all things for people like us to, to sort of mull over, aren't they? I'm sure that he's yeah. enjoyed everything that he's gone through over the course of his career. Um, and I think the fact as well that that guy has had such a, a positive impact, not not just on the players around him, but also on the younger players coming through um, and working with the, the kids in the academy academy structures. I think that speaks volumes for him. I was just thinking about his injuries. Um, in, the, in the medical room at the DW, he probably has a, a filing cabinet of his own. <laughs> and, he, and he's on bed of where he goes. Yeah. That's mine. I'm having that one. He might have a filing cabinet of all the injuries he's had over the last 18 years. But, <laughs> but with that in mind, we're going to have a retro rugby league here, aren't we? We're going to look back 18 years to the year 2002. What happened, Parky? Well, in the year 2002, Obviously, Sean O'Loughlin made his debut for Wigan. That came on the 5th of April. It came in a home game against Hull. Hull actually won that game, 20 points to 18, and it was in front of just over 8,000 fans at the DW Stadium. So that, Is that all? Well, I know. I know people... What, what, what happened to the 12 and 13,000? You get at the old Central Park back but, in them days. But people have been saying, you know, recently that Wigan's lost 25% of the gate in the last seven years. They'd lost a lot more by that stage and were trying to build themselves up again, you know, so it's not a new I think thing. it was a fan's revolt, wasn't it? A lot of them didn't want to leave Central Park and had a bit of a fallout with Dave Wheeler who forced the move from Central Park to what is the DW. It was always a weird one, though, because they always got 15,000 against St. Helens whenever they rolled up into the stadium. So yeah. <laughs> people managed to put that behind them when it was Saints that were in town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. I, I thought I would do a little bit more of a general look before we look more at the rugby league. So I'm going back to April 2002. Now, if you was right. listening to a song on the radio, it could have been Gareth Gates. He was at number one. Uh, Shakira's Whenever, Wherever was everywhere. I remember the video to that, to be honest. Um, but and I'll just leave it there for now. The top All 20 right. also included Will Young, Enrique Iglesias, Badly Drawn Boy, and even Travis, who are making a bit of a comeback this year, aren't they? So uh, the, amp, the album charts, that saw the likes of Nickelback, Blue, and Alicia Keys riding high up there. Uh, well, if you was going to the pictures, uh, you know, you know me, I like my films. You could have been watching Ali G in the house. You might have been watching Blade 2 with Wesley Snipes. You could even have been watching the first Ice Age. And, and no, I'm not talking of any sort of documentaries or anything. I'm talking about that with the little furry creatures and what have you. Oh, the movies. The yeah. movies, yeah, yeah. And uh, 
uh, on that particular day, Arnold Schwarzenegger's collateral damage was brought out as well. That sums oh, okay. up rugby league, doesn't it? Collateral damage. I thought that was an interesting little link there. Um, you mentioned Gareth Gates there, and I remember one time during the Bradford versus Warrington game. You remember the old match day experience at the Arsenal back in them days? I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember he actually reeled out Gareth Gates at half time through the half time entertainment. Did he sing? He did, actually, yeah. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if he was singing live, but um, he was definitely out there. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's what was happening around about the general time. From speaking from a rugby league point of view, 2002 started off with Bradford Bulls winning the World Club Challenge, defeating Newcastle Knights, 41 points to 26. Kurt Gidley, who a few years later had a stint at Warrington, was actually playing wing that day for the Newcastle Knights. So it just shows he was getting on a bit when he came over to Super League as well. And he was, yeah. While 2002 was also the year that saw Chris Redlinski rise from his sickbed to put in a masterful Lance Todd Trophy winning performance as uh, um, Wigan defeated St. Helens 21-12 in the Challenge Cup. Is that the one that Murray threw when the pitch was uh, flooded? It was, yeah, yeah. There'd been torrential rain for most of the week before, hadn't there? Yeah. yeah they, they were wondering whether it'd go ahead. And about to this day, St. Helens wish he hadn't, to be fair. But, you know, um, current Wigan boss Adrian Lamb was also instrumental. He scored a try and a drop goal in that success. It would be fair, though, to say that St. Helens did top the table by point difference come the end of the season. Uh, 14 points better than Bradford in the end. Both of them had a league leadership. Did they have them back in 2000? I'm not sure whether they had league leader shields, yeah, but uh, certainly they they, they got the award as the top dog that season. It was probably a pennant or something, wasn't it? Ah, right, right, right. won the grand final. Who got to the grand final and dropped to lift the trophy then? Well, it was St. Helens. St. Helens got through to win the trophy. They actually defeated Wigan in the grand final eliminator, so they actually got a bit of revenge that that day. Ah, right, okay. Uh, And they beat. Bradford by 19 points to 18. Close run thing. Uh, that's a Sean Long drop goal that won that, wasn't it? It was, and there was a bit yeah. of a dodgy call right at the end when people thought there was a voluntary tackle that came in from Chris Joint. You know what, I've seen that action, I'm convinced it was. I've only ever seen one of them pen, uh, penalised, and that was a few years ago when Neil Turley was playing for Lee. Mm. And it would have been a few years ago because Turley was playing for Lee in this season as well. Um, outside of Super League... Everyone yeah. was in one division, so it was the 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 last of the Northern Ford Premiership seasons. So okay. there was eighteen teams in the division below Super League. Wow, that's a long old season, isn't it? Twenty seven games each of them played. Wow. Top of the table, Huddersfield Giants, coached by none other than Tony Smith, who's still going. And they didn't actually lose a game all season in the league. The only game that they lost all the way through the year was when Doncaster knocked them out of the Challenge Cup. All right. Phenomenal well, performance. Undefeated. Phenomenal performance. That also saw the year uh, when the uh, the Buddies Cup, which later became the Northern Rail Cup, that got introduced to the Rugby League hemisphere. And Who won that? Well, Huddersfield won it, strangely enough. They defeated Hull Kingston Rovers <laughs> 32-6. That was over at Featherstone in front of over 4,000 fans. And, uh, well, it would be fair to say that uh, they had a, a real... Um, a real time to remember did Huddersfield. They defeated Lee in the grand final. I've still never got over that one. 38-16 they won on that day. I remember doing the interview with Earl Crabtree. He mentioned that season. He was actually playing in the centres that year with Big Earl. He was phenomenal. He scored 25 tries, you know, Wade. Try scoring machine. 
There was a couple of others that were also try-scoring machines that year for, for Huddersfield in particular. Chris Thorman, now coach at Workington, I think he got 24 tries. Uh, Stanley Jean, he got 28 tries. And if you're looking at rugby league as a whole, well, um, you know, Heffin O'Hare, he was the winger at Huddersfield. He scored a massive 36 tries that season. There's a name from the past, isn't there? I know her. Definitely. Current Batley boss Craig Lingard was also riding high in the tri-scoring tri charts with 28. And the aforementioned Stanley Jean, who I said got 28. Top of the goals. It, yeah, interestingly, in the world of rugby back in that year, they used to have two tri-scoring tri uh, awards. And they used to have the championship one, or as it is, the uh, Northern Four. But Super League one was won by uh, Dennis Moran, wasn't it? It was, yeah. He was top with 22. Mark Calderwood and Keith Senior, both of Leeds, had 21 each. That season, Paul Deacon, Paul Sculthorpe, Wayne Bartram from Castleford, Ben Walker of Leeds, they all kicked over 100 goals. Yeah, Paul Sculthorpe got Man of Steel, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. Yeah, I've not actually, you, you've, you've actually probably looked that up more than I have, to be fair, because I've not actually... I did, I did have a little sneaking look uh, before I came on my walk, but I, I can't remember all the information now, but I'm sure Paul Sculthorpe got Man of Steel. Was that also the year as well where the Aussies were filthy because he won the Golden Boot for the world's best player? Oh, they're usually, they're usually filthy if it's not an Australian that's winning it anyway, so uh, that's nothing nothing new there, is there, to be if fair? If it's not correct, I do apologise, but he definitely won it one year and all that. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what though I mean it was it was a great year it got certainly got me thinking it don't feel like it's 18 years ago that you know listen Sean O'Rourke was sitting hole on Friday night and be thinking wow was that really 18 years gone in a flash I wonder whether he'll think it's gone in a flash though no probably not <laughs> probably not probably not but yeah fantastic 18 years playing top flight rugby league that's that's some record that it definitely is yeah and that that was a great retro year as well i enjoyed looking back through the book on that one to be fair makes you feel old when you look back doesn't it you think where's that time gone i know i definitely feel old now looking back i would have been what 22 <laughs> 23 years old that time you know uh, hoping and following lee everywhere hoping they get into super league it wasn't to be <laughs> Well, my beloved Wooden Vikings, they hit the heavy heights of seventh place in that year. They did well, didn't they? They really settled well, into Super League, yeah. That, that was when Neil Kelly was the coach. Yeah, it got a bit tougher after that, didn't it, unfortunately? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, enough said about that one. Uh, flashing forward now back to this year, we all know what happened with Toronto Wolfpack. They haven't got to be taking part in Super League. So now the scramble's on to claim the, the 12th spot. Um, one or two clubs have already reeled themselves out, Woodlands Vikings being one of them teams. Uh, mm -hmm. Who's going to get the nod, Parky? You know what? Beer in the hat, Featherstone throwing the name in? Featherstone will be in, yeah. No doubt London will be preparing a bit as well, although Broncos. they've been. My heart always says Lee because I always want to go with my hometown, you know, and the yeah. instincts. And certainly the squad that Derek Beaumont is building and uh, John Duffy is putting together, it's going getting to be very it, good, they isn't seem, it? They seem to think they've got a good chance of getting the north. Is it tomorrow we'll find out? Uh, no, I think the I think it's all well. It's in the next week or so, isn't it? When we find oh, out, right, okay. I believe. I, I don't think it's I mean, so soon. The criteria's been revealed, hasn't it? You've got to have finished in the top five top, in two thousand eighteen to nineteen. Is yeah, it? top six, top six of the championship, and then yeah, uh, you've got to have um, a capacity that's over five thousand. So, you know, everywhere right. ticks that box, really. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, the, the only thing that worries me for the team that does get the nod. You know, you're at a, you're at a disadvantage straight away, aren't you? You know, you've got you've got a limited 
time to recruit players. You're only getting a million pounds as well, so it could be really difficult to compete and win enough games to stay up there. This is why I think that Lee are best placed because Derek Beaumont's already gone on record and said that he's building for it, you know, so he, yeah. he's just about ready for it. The, the players that they bring in have this experience of playing at that top level or have played there at some point for a long time in the career before. Um, I, I suppose a lot of people's favourites will probably be uh, York and Toulouse. Um, for me, York is still building. I love what they're doing. You know, uh, we've spoken quite often, you know, how much I rate York and the job yeah. that they're doing. But I just feel it's a little bit too soon for them, in all honesty. Uh, and Toulouse is the expansionist dream once more, isn't it? You know, get another team from France in there, uh, see how they go uh, and watch them build and build and build. Certainly, I think, moving to uh, the venue that they're going to be playing at, um, you know, sharing Maybe with Toulouse the, Rugby the Union. Side, yeah, yeah, sharing with Toulouse Rugby Union. I mean, that puts them right in the, right in the frame. Uh, it's a great position, not too far out of the city um, in comparison to the other grounds that they've been using in the past. Uh, and they I have... If, yeah, if I was one of them teams looking to maybe snatch that 12th spot going back into Super League uh, via the back door, if I didn't get it, I wouldn't be too disappointed with that. I, I think uh, you're better off playing another season in the Championship and, and winning it outright and going it, going through the proper channels and preparing fully for it. Um, <laughs> To be getting just a million pounds, like the way the the clubs in the Super League say, yeah, we'll let one in, but you're going to have less money to spend. You know, you really are up against it. I think it's going to be really difficult. So, if you look at it on, in the long run, next season, whoever does get the nod, and they've got to be candidates to going straight back down, aren't they? Well, unless they think... can unless they can get the best of Hulkinson Rovers and Wakefield, who looks like and they could be the two teams that you're competing with to to stay afloat in Super League. I think any time anybody comes up from the division below, they're always going to be the favourites to go back down, aren't they? Just because of of, of sort of how it goes. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, it is in a way like fighting one arm time behind your back, isn't it? Going into Super yeah. League this time round with, um, you know, a good eight hundred thousand pounds less than um, you know the other teams will be getting. Um, it's a huge amount when when all said and done that, and it does make you wonder just how much extra talent you'd be able to attract with a bit more money in the coffers. But you know. I, I think that certainly I don't decry anybody that's putting in for it, that's able no. to put in for it, because let's be honest, um, we, we all want to see rugby played at the top level, don't we? We all want to see it improve. And all those chairmen, all those owners, they'll be looking at their clubs and thinking, you know what, if we get a shot, we at least get up there. We can prove ourselves and we can take some of that cash and hopefully build and build and build. I know there's been examples where it's not happened in the past like that. You know, some people will point at what happened with Lee in 2018 when they came back down and then didn't make the cut for the top four uh, and all the repercussions that happened there. But, you know, I think that you've got a dirty dream, haven't you? And it's even some people talking about Bradford going back in there, which for me would just be a strange, strange call indeed. That even would though... be considering, like we said a few in the last podcast on loverugly.com, that Bradford are not even at the hostel. They're, they're playing from Jewsby, for heaven's sake. Exactly. So really, can Bradford, can Bradford be a realistic opportunity for them? Can they be a realistic candidate, is what I'm saying? I don't think they are. I think they're ruled out. Some people in rugby league suggest I, I, it, I, I think it's... A, it's Putting aside that you reckon York are not quite ready to make the leap and the step up into Super League, and I totally agree with you. I don't think they are quite ready. So trying to force the way into Super League via the back door, 
could have a knock-on effect and knock them back a few years for mm. me personally. Mm. Uh, I think it's a too it's a too harsh race, and and the RFL uh, or Super League Europe. Uh, they've got to sit down and really think realistically. The only, the only realistic candidates for this are Lee and Toulouse. Pick one from them. So, I mean, you, you just said you hope it's going to be Lee. I know. I, I've got a, I've got a feeling, feeling they're going to be, they're going to go with Toulouse. I have that feeling as well. But I mean, we, we've not even spoken about London Broncos. The fact that they take yeah. most of the boxes, other than getting the crowds in, don't they? they they've already <laughs> been there recently. They were very, very yeah. competitive in Super League. They've got all the youngsters coming through. And they've got the financial backing of uh, Mr. Hughes, haven't they? So, yeah, don't really London that, I suppose. So, it's, yeah, okay, it's a free horse race. But I'm still hang on, hang on. Lose. What about Featherstone? What about Featherstone? I mean, they got to the grand final last time we had one, and, and you know, they've been yeah. building as well. Yeah, they have, but I don't <laughs> think Featherstone will get the nod. I think they're a non runner for me. I think it's just a, a two horse race to lose. So, they'll there, win it. There we have it. Well, there we have it. We've spoken. We've done our own version of uh, being gobby about the situation. What says you on Love Rugby League? Or you could let, even let me know at Dave Parkinson RL via Twitter. I'm quite happy to take any sort of comments, to be fair. And perhaps we'll give him a mention next time. Hmm. So all that said and done, um, you know, with the gap that's going to be created in Super League, there's also a gap created. Um, in the championship, because whoever goes up will need another team coming from League One, and already there's two clubs that's gone into that race as well. And who are they? Barrow, Barrow Raiders, oh, uh, yeah. and Rochdale Hornets. So both have uh, good claims. They've both been in the championship fairly recently. They've both strengthened off the field considerably, uh, and you know we're starting to put some promising results on the field as well. So uh, uh, I think Hunslet have ruled themselves out of going up. They want to pushed through on their own devices, I think. And um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Doncaster or Workington also emerged in that race. So with that in mind, then, League One, it's literally going to be a 10-team division then, isn't it? It is. It is, yeah. It's going to be a much smaller division than you would have expected. I mean, certainly as well with Ottawa saying that they're not going to come forward and play next season, which created another whole set of issues, didn't it, with players having to be released and, um, you know, players scrambling around. It's good to see a couple of them show up at Workington and go and sign back with them. Couple's gone back up to Newcastle, I think, as well. So, you know, it obviously just does show that there's still clubs in the market for players but I feel really sorry that that experiment isn't going to take place next season I'm sure it will at some point that's all for the future uh, just looking uh, sticking with what's happening this year even though we're coming to the end of the season uh, clubs announcing coaches you know, the biggest secret in rugby league was finally revealed on Friday or was it Thursday night when Ian Watson was announced as the Huddersfield Giants coach and witness have finally got the, the new man in place as well. Simon Finnegan decided Newcastle's not the place for him. And then uh, decided to go back to the club where he made his debut in, in rugby league in the UK. And that's Witness Vikings. Yeah, I mean, we briefly spoke about uh, Simon Finnegan, didn't we, and his journey during the last podcast. And it was a very brief yeah. mention, but let's give it the credence that it deserves. He came over here. He played for Widnes first of all, didn't he? Ended up going back to play for Widnes at the back end of his career uh, before yeah. finishing off at Lee. He's uh, built himself up over a good number of years now as an assistant coach and stepped into that big job at Newcastle. Um, and now he's landed that big job at Widnes. And it's always a big job at Widnes. So he's going to be under pressure right from the start, isn't he? Because the fans, they know what they want. Yeah, without a doubt. So Widnes had a club uh, rebuild, rebuilding, to be honest. So... 
I think he will get the time. And he'll have a bit of money to go and strengthen the squad. But the, to be honest, before um, Tim Sheen did decide, he decided uh, Woodness wasn't the job for him in 2021. He did recruit um, some decent players as well to boost the squad. So he's got a basis of a, a decent squad there, as Simon Finnegan. He'll just have to put the extras to it and give himself a good chance of maybe competing uh, for a playoff spot in the championship. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. There's a, a few from that used to be at Witness that uh, <laughs> don't have contracts due to the Ottawa situation. So I yeah, wonder if some of them yeah. will come back, to be honest. But um, yeah, th- those are... Those are all decisions for him to make, aren't they? Regarding yeah. Ian Watson, I like this call from Watson, in all honesty. Some people in rugby league have said that it's more a sideways move. I don't quite see it as a sideways move, in all honesty, because they're a bit more of a, a better structured club, aren't they, Huddersfield? They've been yeah, around a bit no, longer with regards to having youth structures and, you know, they bring young players through. And I just think it's a it's a brand new a brand new experiment for him and I'm sure he'll get stuck in. It is, because uh, at Salford, he was batting above his average, wasn't he? Uh, he was always begging and stealing players, hoping they came good for him. And I suppose in the end, no disrespect to Salford, maybe he just ground him in, ground, maybe just ground him into submission. He thought, I can't carry on doing this. Huddersfield, um, with the financial backing of Ken Davey, they're always a team that don't go around begging and stealing players, do they? They can, they can attract quality players, and that's something he'd be excited to be working with, rather than rather than having to beg and steal players and doing a good job with them. Well, that's right. He's actually got the opportunity to build something rather than build it every year, only to see the foundations get it. knocked away. So, you know, yeah. I mean, he's been brilliant at what he's done as as, as Ian Watson, you know, and on all the previous jobs that he's had, I'm thinking when he was at Swinton as well, they wouldn't have had a lot of money. So he was in a similar sort of ilk, but now he's moving up the leagues, isn't he, so to speak. I think that Huddersfield are a little bit of a bigger hitter. Um, they've certainly got recent history, haven't they, with being in and around that top four spot, which is where, you know, mm. Watson sees himself as a coach and wants his teams to get to. Um, and yeah, I, I just feel that it's a, it's a win-win situation. That I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes because, you know, over the last couple of years, Huddersfield have been more renowned for the dogged spirit, haven't they, rather than the rugby yeah. that they play. Um, and mm. we all know, having seen Salford and the way that Ian Watson likes to set up his teams, he likes an attacking brand of rugby league. So I think those Huddersfield fans are going to be in for a treat. Bring on the cowbells, is what I say. He does have a, a nice brand of rugby league, doesn't he, Ian Watson? I think the only thing that's gone against him is the way he's been handled, because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, he's blatantly denying any interest in the job and he's committed to Salford during the press conference and then he resigns and he ends up at Huddersfield. That's where a few people have got a bit uh, miffed with the situation. Uh, could have been handled better, but, you know, it's done. And he's decided um, he's done a decent job with Salford. It's time to part ways and move forward. So there are still two coaching jobs up for grabs. Big question. Who's going to be the replacement for Ian Watson? Salford need to make sure they get a quality coach in place because if not, it could fall apart there, couldn't it really? And the big club, the big uh, job that's still up for grabs is Hull. Has as Andy Lash done enough to get them off uh, permanently for the job? I don't think he has. Mm, mm. Two big decisions to make for both of those yeah. board of directors, isn't it? You know, and uh, <laughs> it is. You know, because I mean, I, I've I've already championed my old mate's cause here uh, and say that Paul Rowley is in there. He's been there for twelve months. He knows those players that they're keeping. Uh, yeah. he, he's 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 worked wonders before. He could at be play. a good fit with Salford, couldn't he? If, he? if he decides he wants to be a head head coach again. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, other than that, you kind of look into Australia and you're seeing who's out of a job, aren't you? You know, so yeah. um, you're kind of looking at 
who got sacked? Are you are you are you going to go with the guy who was for the Broncos, or are you going to go for other people who were maybe second in command who found themselves shoved out of joint there? Um, I mean the big the big rumor with with Hull is uh, Brett Hodgson. Yeah, but he's just took on a director's director rugby role with the West Tigers, hasn't he? So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Speaking of Australia, Wayne Bennett, Wayne Bennett does it again. Look, oh. odds on New South Wales are going to win the State of Origin this year. His Queensland team is being tempted the worst Queensland team to ever enter the State of Origin series, and they've ended up winning it. <laughs> Interestingly, still is saying that the directors of rugby within the Queensland Rugby League authority is saying Wayne Bennett might not even get the job next year. I love a state of origin, me, Adrian. And I think that you're right. Um, Wayne Bennett is just a master, isn't he? Just how he yeah. can get his, his players raising up for it, particularly in, in Australia, you know, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, well, you certainly give Brad Fittler a coach in Leicester, uh, hasn't he? I really enjoyed the performance as well in that third origin <laughs> game. I thought that they played it tough. They, they ground it out. And they had Cameron Munster. Munster was everywhere. He was dynamic. And they brought young yeah. Harry Granton off the bench, who's been going really well for the West Tigers. We'll give them a second mention in the podcast. And, um, you know, uh, I just thought they were that much better and quicker and more... Uh, more sharp around the rook than New South Wales. So you we're obviously hampered by losing James Tedesco after 20 minutes with that head knock. But, um, you know, ultimately, um, yeah, it's another Wayne Bennett masterclass, like you mentioned. And he's got to be a shoe-in for that job next season, hasn't he? Uh, I'd give it him. Yeah, the, the big issue regarding that, you know, people going, what, Wayne Bennett's not going to be the Queensland coach. The problem he's got over in Australia, Queensland rugby league stipulate that, you want to be the uh, Queensland coach for the state of origin, you can't be involved in the NRL. And as we all know, Wayne Bennett's fully committed uh, to South Sydney. It's the interesting one. I can see him altering that, you know. Because, I mean, let's be honest, you don't get a coach like Wayne Bennett taking charge every single year, do you? So, no, you know, exactly. you've, you've surely got to tie him up as best as you can. Hmm. It'd be interesting, won't it? Definitely, definitely. So we're just about out of time, but it'd be remiss of us not to mention that whilst we've been recording this, the Super League have uh, announced their dream team for 2020. It's always a much-anticipated thing. Ooh, we've got and, to find out who's a pot exclusive, have we? Yeah, I know that you're usually there interviewing people and what have you, yeah. but we're, obviously we, we can't be doing any oh, of that this no, year. I can't do it from the banks of the big water canal, man. So <laughs> anyway, just give us the, uh, the dream team then. It is the team then. Bevan French, full-back. Kristen Inu and Ash Hanley out in the wings. Toby King and Conrad Hurrell in the centres. Then you've got half-backs, Johnny Lomax and Aidan Caesar. Props, Alex Wormsley and Mike Cooper. At hooker is Paul McShane. Second rows, Liam Farrell and Kalepi Tanganoa with Morgan Knowles completing the lineup as loose forward. What do you make of that? Mm, interesting lineup. Um, I'd have put Danny Houghton uh, as hooker for me. Oh, I'm not sure about that, to be honest, mate. Yeah, you think so? No, I don't think he's been anywhere near that. I, I would actually agree with Paul McShane's been there thereabouts. If you look at his stats and the way he's gone over yeah, the course okay. of the season. What do I know? Don't, I don't know nothing. I like Toby King getting in there, though. I think uh, we've spoken yeah, about him he, before, he, haven't we? Probably one of the most improved players of the year is, is Toby King. So, yeah, no disagreements with that one. Com- Comrade Harrell... Yeah, you can't you can't go against that one, can you? To be honest, um, the one that I would question, and I know there's always that because you've mentioned Hooker being the bit where you question it. He's loose forward, um, Malcolm Knowles. I don't know. I, I, he's he's like the modern Mick Cassidy for me. Great, great, great club player, but 
I don't know. Surely there's another second rower who could slot that in there or a prop forward. I'm surprised Mike Cooper's in there, to be honest. Are you? Yeah. He's always gone well this season, from what I can tell. He has, but dream team? Mm. Okay. My, we don't make the decisions, so there you go. Welcome return for Big Alex, though, prop. Yeah, go with that one. And Mike Cooper, I think there's been better players than Mike Cooper throughout the season. And I've always been a big Liam Farrell fan as well, so I'm glad that he's got a nod there. Yeah, Mr. Consistent, isn't he? Very much so, very much so. Well, I think we've just about reached the end, haven't we, here, Ed? Yeah, we're going to have to go because I'm getting stuck to this bench now. I won't be able to move. I can even hear seagulls in the background, so yeah, you're, you're attracting yeah, them yeah, with yeah. your butty. Yeah, because the good thing about this, uh, this canal where they are, mate, it kind of straddles the River Mersey as well. That's why you can hear the, the seagulls. <laughs> we'll go and let you enjoy the wildlife. But meanwhile, okay. we'll be back again very soon uh, when we'll be reviewing all of what went on in the Super League Grand Final. But until then, I'm going to end it with go and enjoy your rugby league.